welcome to the shit show hello my squirrel friends so today it is me and kate again say hi kate hi uh and so before i say anything about today's episode i apparently need to make a correction uh to the heaven's gate cult that we talked about not the last episode but the episode before that um my stepdad who apparently is an avid listener (laughs) told me and i actually looked it up and confirmed it so i'm like shooketh um that the people of the heavens cult right before they uh committed suicide they also uh cut off their junk and put it into buckets (laughs) and oh murder's not funny but well i guess it's not murder because they did it themselves but you know that's That's probably either we don't we don't say that suicide is funny no but can you imagine being the medical examiner and seeing bucket o dicks everywhere? <laughs> like it was probably where the phrase came from. I mean, we got we from the cult episode we had drink the Kool Aid. You know that was the originality, but now we also have the original for bucket of dicks, I guess. <laughs> so just wanted to add that and like. No, I feel like, okay, so is Bucket of Dicks just like, well, this is a weird situation? <laughs> or is it like, well, shit, that sucks. Like, wh- which is it now? Now my whole my whole mindset is like, wait a minute. Have I been using this wrong my whole life? Well, I wonder if, like, maybe it's just, you know, um, a cr- I think it would be a crappy situation slash crappy person. I think would still be the best way to... Um, Put that into our vocabulary <laughs> uh so just so everybody knows um kate why don't you tell them where they can find you i am anna of the undead on tiktok and then facebook and instagram i am crafts confections and creativity by kate uh, and I am Witchy Pity Mom on all socials. Uh, and the Hot Mess Witchy Express also has its own Instagram page where you can message us with your ideas. Um, so today's episode, I wanted to do something a little different because, you know, I know I said somewhere in one of the millions of episodes, I've millions, I'm full of myself. <laughs> this couple I've done, I've said that I wanted to do something other than true crime. So, um, Today, we are going to talk about uh, folklore creatures Um, and and not just like like werewolves and shit. Like, um, so the first one I have, you know, they've actually made it into a movie. Um, But I thought that a list of like scary tales uh, is never complete without a ghost story. Um, So in Mexico, there is La... Uh, Yorona. La Yorona. La Yorona. Did I say it right? I'm sorry. Um, also known as the Weeping Woman. La Llorona is believed to be the ghost of a mother who drowned her offspring. Um, to this day, she haunts rivers, creeks, searching for her uh, missing children and crying. Uh, parents mention La Llorona is it Yorona or La Llorona? Like, I don't know if I'm saying I've always right. heard Yorona, but... Yorona, okay. La Yorona. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, people, if I keep fucking this up. <laughs> uh, they keep... They, the parents mention her to their children to keep them in line. Some say this ghost steals kids who go out after dark and drowns them. Um, if you take a walk down the river, keep an ear out for the wailing. The legend has a wide variety of details and versions. In a typical version of the legend, a beautiful woman marries a rich ranchero slash conquistador with whom she bears two children. Um, 
and her name is I can't say it. <laughs> uh Okay, it's X O C H I T L. No idea. <laughs> I will not even attempt. <laughs> okay, so one day this young woman sees her husband with another woman and in a fit of blind rage she drowns her children in the river river which she immediately regrets unable to save them and consumed by guilt she drowns herself as well but is unable to enter the afterlife forced to be in purgatory and roam the earth until she finds her children so that's kind of sad it's sad but at the same time your kids didn't do anything ma'am like your husband's the asshat. Yeah, I, I don't really understand the logic there. Um, I guess, like, you hurt me, so I'm going to hurt you. But in doing so, you end up hurting yourself. It's usually how that goes. You know, like, you're trying to hurt someone who's hurt you. It usually doesn't end well. Right? You got to let karma sort that shit out by itself. And trust me, karma is a nasty bitch. She'll get it done. So who's your first up on the folklore creatures? All right. So we can keep in, in, you know, line with the whole kids and mom thing here. So this one is called the, I think it's um, Pontianak. It's P-O-N-T-I-A-N-A-K for those of you who like to look things up. And it is considered to be a vampire empiric ghost in both Malay and Indonesian mythology. Um, it's also been called the Montanak and the Kuntilanak, um, sometimes shortened to Kunti. And they are spirits of women who died while pregnant. This is often confused with a related creature called the Lang Shur, which is a ghost of a woman who died while giving birth. But um, they're reportedly um a corruption of a Malay, um, it's, I can't pronounce what the, how they say it, but it's a woman who died in childbirth. And other people think that it may mean just in general, like the death of a child. Um, and it came from a city that's in Indonesia called Pontianak and is claimed to have haunted by the first Sultan who once settled there. So they are usually depicted as pale skinned women with long hair dressed in white, but they're said to be able to take on a beautiful appearance since they prey on men. Um, in a 1977 short story called The Consul's File by Paul Thoreau, the Phantom is an invention of Malay wives who want to discourage their husbands from random sexual encounters with women that they meet on the road at night. Um, Wait, 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 wait. Sexual encounters on the road in the middle of the night is a thing? Enough so to make Um, I'm pretty sure it's just rape, but, you know, we're going to blame the victim because hashtag humans. (laughs) Well, no, but, like, it's so much of a thing that they made up a ghost story about it. (laughs) I mean, hey, you know what? You do you. Um... So they say the presence is usually announced through baby cries. Um, If the cry is soft, it means that the uh, Pontianac is close and that um, if it's loud, it must be far, which in my brain is very weird, but okay. Um, Some people believe that if you hear a dog howling, it does mean that the Pontianac is far away, but if it's whining, it is nearby. That makes more sense to me. Yes, why would um, it be louder farther away? Right, like I don't get that, but hey, you do maybe it's got to be louder so it travels farther. I don't I I don't know. Yeah, maybe. But I just say okay. I'm just I, I I'm just going with it. <laughs> um they can sometimes be detected by a nice floral fragrance identifiable as that of the plumeria and then followed by an awful stench, which kind of cracks me up cuz I'm like, "Oh, so it's like following a church lady with her too much perfume." Got it. um what is it with church ladies and perfume dude i don't know maybe they gotta you know spray this in away (laughs) ma'am cover the scent of your stint of your sin oh my and then they say they kill the victims 
by digging into their stomach with sharp fingernails and devouring their organs. Oh, Lord. There's some cases where the uh, Pontianac desires revenge against a male individual, and it will rip out the sex organs with its hands. It is said if you have your eyes open when a Pontianac is near, it will suck them out of your head. Jesus, this is like like uh, when the mummy's trying to reincarnate itself. Yeah, pretty much, except instead of, you know, regaining form, they just do it because fuck you, man. (laughs) They locate their prey by sniffing out clothes left outside to dry. For this reason, some Malays refuse to leave an article of clothing outside of their residence overnight. It is also associated with banana trees, and it's a spirit said to reside inside of them during the day. You know, you get giant-ass fucking tarantulas and bananas, and now apparently some, you know, dead woman who was pregnant. Like, fuck that, man. You know, it's stuff like this that makes me want to, like, not visit foreign countries. Right? Like, I mean, I do, but I don't. Like, I get it. Um, It also says... There's something similar to the Pontianac called a Cuntalanac, which takes the form of a bird and sucks the blur- the blood of virgins and young women. And it makes a ki-ki-ki sound as it flies. Um, and they think that that may be through black magic to make women sick. Um, the characteristic symptom being vaginal bleeding or, you know, called a fucking period. Right, I'm wondering. <laughs> In the female form, When a man approaches her, she suddenly turns and reveals that her back is hollow. But the apparition is more specifically referred to as a Sundell Belong. Or Belong, I'm not really sure. That's something right out of a nightmare to be hollow. Right. But I guess it would make sense, like, if that was the whole reason why it was haunting people. Was because it was hollow from the death of their unborn child or something i don't know right like i get it but it's like at the same time it's like damn i didn't do nothing to you don't hurt me (laughs) i mean shit i'm fine i ain't a virgin i had two kids like damn but fuck man i don't know um i'm beginning to notice a a a trend though because i i just like realized that a lot of my creatures are also depicted to be female and I'm wondering (laughs) if like that's like you know that's how men in those days controlled women is they made up these folklore creatures of women that or they were just so batshit scared of them that they were like nah see women are fucking crazy man maybe Uh, cause this one is from uh, is Black Annis, also known as Black Agnes or Black Anna, and is a boog- excuse me, is a boogeyman feature in English folklore. Uh, she is imagined as a blue-faced hag or a witch with iron claws and a taste for human flesh, especially children. Delicious. Uh, <laughs> She is said to haunt the countryside of Leicestershire, living in a cave in the Dane Hills with a great oak tree at the entrance. She is said to venture out at night looking for unsuspecting children and lambs to eat, then tanning their skins by hanging them on a tree before wearing them around her waist. Okay. Does it rub the lotion on the skin? Um... Does he get the hose again? (laughs) She would also reach inside houses to snatch people. Legend has it she used her iron claws to dig her cave out of the side of a sandstone cliff, making herself a home which is known as the Black Annis's Bower Close. The legend led to parents warning their children that Black Annis would get them if they did not behave. Why is this a thing? Like I mean, Black Annis is kind of a hard is a is a is a nasty flavor by itself. So good punishment, but damn. 
Well, I just, I don't understand why all these parents are like, if you don't be good, this monster's going to come get you. (laughs) She was also known to hide in the branches of her oak tree, waiting to leap upon unsuspecting prey. Other traditions stated that when she ground her teeth, people could hear her, giving them time to bolt their doors and keep away from the window. It is said that cottages in Leicestershire were purposely built with small windows so that Black Annis could only get a single arm inside. When she howled, she could be heard five miles away. Then the cottagers would fasten skins across the window and protective herbs above it to keep themselves safe. Okay. But my question is, would the skins be, like, then taken by Black Annis? Because that's what she likes. Or is it just, like, to mask the window to keep them from taking your kids? Like, I feel like that's a legit, like, question. I'm not sure. (laughs) I don't know. Um... I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> uh, so who's your next one, Kate? All right. The next one is called an Oni. Um, it's, they call it a kind of yokai, demon, ogre, or troll in Japanese folklore typically portrayed as hulking figures with one or more horns growing out of their heads. They are conceived as red, blue, or white colored, wearing loincloths of tiger pelt and carry iron cannabo clubs. So they are um, gods of the mountain with a fearful appearance, and they are believed to be there to punish humans when they misbehave. Speaking of misbehave, (laughs) Um, (laughs) they are said to represent um, the meaning or um, meaning uh, the meaning is to conceal or hide. They are ultimately an invisible spirit or being. So the whole thing of them is they are considered to be super scary to people because they're supposed to... um, punish you for being basically a bad person hold on one second my goodness somebody is sleepy (laughs) (laughs) and they actually had samurais wear masks of these creatures to scare their enemies because they were that terrifying they used what so samurais had masks that looked like these creatures and they would wear them into battle to scare like enemies. You know what? That makes sense. Cause like, if you think about like old Japanese samurai suits, their, their masks were creepy looking. Right. And that's where this comes from. Huh? It's interesting, isn't it? Like, so these things, um, they often say sometimes you, they're, they're like, um, brought on because somebody is just that bad of a person that they like basically end up summoning this demon on accident by just being a general like horrible human and if you're bad enough you can sometimes be turned into an oni while you're alive wow yeah i wonder i wonder like what the criteria is like as far as like shit person is concerned right i'm just like damn how bad do you have to be to get turned into a demon like I mean, like, see, in my head, my mind goes always back to, like, supernatural demons where it's like, they chose this, you know? But, like... Right. I wonder, like, what kind of shitty things you would have to do to be turned into a demon while you're still alive. Yeah, it is really interesting to be like, okay, so what did you do? And, like... What, like, what level did you have to hit? <laughs> like, what level of shitty person? Right. 
I mean, like I you guess passed that makes all sense. the levels of hell and like exceeded it, didn't you? Right. So my next one is kind of short because I really actually couldn't find a lot on it. Uh, it's called a Mingwa or Nunda. Uh, it's a gray big cat reported on the coast of Tanzania that um, is featured in stories from the Swahili people. Okay. Uh, they are highly aggressive and had been known to attack livestock and humans. Their name allegedly means strange one in Swahili. Okay. Um, since the early 20th century, there have been plenty attacks of attacks from this stealthy creature, but so far no one has succeeded in hunting or catching this feline beast. Uh, the gray tabby cat-like fur gives away the Mingwa's presence, but it's elusive. It's as elusive as it is deadly. Legend has it that this mythical cat is stronger than a lion and deadlier than a leopard. It moves silently, comes out to kill humans, and then disappeared. Uh, no one has ever succeeded in killing a Mingwa. That's great. Right. So, like, but, like, I want to know, like, is it a legend, or, like, is it, like, people have actually seen this thing? Because that's kind of terrifying. Right? Like, Damn. <laughs> like, mm. honestly, like, it's one of those, I kind of hope it's a legend, but like at the same time, kind of want it to be real. Right, exactly. So, um, I'm just going to do my next one because that one was so short, and then you can go. <laughs> yeah, not a problem. Um, so, a ghoul. Um, I don't know how you say it in Arabic, uh, but it's a demon-like being or monstrous humanoid originating in pre-Islamic or Arabian religion associated with graveyards and consuming human flesh. I mean, we kind of already knew that because, you know, thanks Supernatural. But uh, uh, <laughs> in modern fiction, the term has often been used for a certain kind of undead monster. By extension, the word ghoul is also used in a derogatory sense to refer to a person who delights in the macabre or whose profession is directly linked to death, such as a grave digger or grave robber. In the okay. Arabic yeah, right. Uh, in the Arabic folklore, the ghoul is said to dwell in cemeteries or other uninhabited places. A male ghoul is referred to as a ghoul while the female is referred to a gula. Um, I am gula. Ar <laughs> yeah, the Arabic ghoul as a female creature is sometimes called mother ghoul or am gula. Okay. Um, or a relational term such as like aunt ghoul. She is portrayed in many tales luring hapless characters who are usually men into her home where she can eat them. Some state a ghoul is a desert-dwelling, shape-shifting demon that can assume the guise of an animal, especially a hyena. It lures unwary people into the desert wastes or abandoned places to slay and devour them. The creature also preys on young children, drinks blood, steals coin, eats the dead then taking the form of the person most recently eaten one of the narratives identified a ghoul named ghoul e biaban a particularly monstrous character believed to be inhabiting the wilderness of afghanistan and iran so that's lovely <laughs> yeah that's uh yeah no hard pass <laughs> yeah I, I feel like as much as I am interested in like the macabre and like the 
dark humor and stuff like that. I don't think I'd ever actually want to run into a ghoul. They they sound terrifying. Like legitimately horrifying creatures. I'm okay. I'm good. Yeah, I don't I don't know why we have to make like, you know, such such terrifying shit. I don't know. I mean, someone has a great imagination. Or has actually seen one and then wrote it down and then, you know, it got, you know, you know how things go. It goes from like, yeah, true story to legend or, you know, to fairy tale or whatever. So. All right. So who's your next one? All right. We're going to delve into the world of the leprechaun. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Legend has it that a leprechaun is a type of fairy that stands stands about as tall as a three-year-old child, which to me, I'm like, dude, I've seen three-year-olds that are like four feet tall. I've seen them that are two feet tall. Like, how big is this child? Right? (laughs) A leprechaun is usually described as a bearded man who wears a green suit and hat. But it is believed that no female leprechauns are, are like around. They are classed as a solitary fairy and they are the son of an evil spirit and a degenerate fairy and they are neither, neither wholly good or whole, whole, bleh, wholly evil. So, you know, fun little leprechauns here. There's, of course, so many different things, especially in pop culture. Like, you have the horror movie Leprechaun with, uh, I think, is what is it, Warwick Davis or something? Yeah, I think so. I mean, to me, that was, like, the funniest freaking show ever. Like, you want campy horror, that's the way to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was one of those. Uh, Puppet Master was another one that I felt was campy as hell. Yes. Um, they do say that the Leprechaun will live in remote places and they like to make shoes or brogues. The sound of their hammering betrays, or betrays the present. They possess hidden crocks of gold and if captured and threatened with bodily violence, he might, if a captor keeps his eye on him, reveal the hiding place. But usually the captor will be tricked into glancing away and he will vanish. It does come from the old word uh, Lucrepan meaning little body. Well, I mean, that makes sense, you know, because. Right, because he's like maybe three feet tall. Oh, also, he's not that much shorter than me then. Right, like, he's like two feet shorter than I am. I'm like, well, damn. Could be a leprechaun. <laughs> Hot well, damn. since we're actually talking about men for once and these are males and these creatures, I have. I'm going to fuck this up every time and I'm so sorry. Yara Mayahu. Mariahu, Maria. Right? <laughs> it's like, yes. <laughs> we about to uh, sing like. So Yarmayahu is a legendary creature found in Australian Aboriginal mythology. According to legend, the creature resembles a little red frog-like man with a very big head, a large mouth with no teeth and suckers on the ends of his hands and feet because why not something big red and weird in Australia uh (laughs) the Yaramahu is said to live in fig trees instead of hunting for food it is described as waiting for an unsuspecting traveler to rest under a tree the creature then drops down and uses suckers to drain the victim's blood after that, it swallows the person, drinks some water, and then takes a nap. I mean, okay. Yeah, I'd probably have to take a nap if I just swallowed a whole person. Right. When the Yaramahu awakens, it regurgitates the victim, leaving them shorter than before. The victim's skin also has a reddish tint to it that it didn't have before. It repeats this process several times. Gross. Uh, also impressive <laughs> at length the victim is transformed into a Yarmahu themselves according to the legend the Yarma or the Yaramayahu is only active during the day and only targets living prey it will play dead until sunset um and stories of this creature were reportedly told to misbehaving children. Again, with scaring your kids. 
with some monster creature. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like the the whole Krampus thing too, you know. Oh uh, yeah, but I love I love the idea of Krampus. I almost right. put him on my list. I'm not even gonna lie. Um, I I love Krampus. So who's your next one? I'm sorry. I don't know. Like I'm telling you, my cat sitting on my face while I was sleeping last night has got me so congested. Trying to murder you. It's fine. Yes. Like let's be real. Cats are really always trying to murder us. I agree. Alrighty. So the next one I have is a banshee. They are of supernatural course. beings in Irish and other Celtic folklore whose mournful keening or wailing, screaming, lamentation at night was believed to foretell the death of a member of the family, the person who heard the spirit. So these are generally feminine spirits because um, keening women used to be the ones who would sing of like of death. Like, so somebody died, they would have this person come and sing a sad song and the payment would be alcohol. And because of that, they were seen as, you know, sinful, unclean people and always had the threat to become a banshee. Many banshees are believed to um, be tied to specific families, particularly of um, old Irish descent. And they say in very rare case cases, a male can become a banshee, but it is usually seen as an omen of death and messenger from the other world. Um, uh, there's a tradition, they say, that the Banshee can only cry for five major Irish families, the O'Neills, O'Briens, O'Connors, O'Grady's, and the Kavanaugh's. But intermarriage has since extended this list, and each Banshee has her own mortal family, and out of love, she will follow the old race across the ocean to distant lands. Oh, well, this is why Dean and Sam kept finding them in America. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Um, they say that they will have sometimes have long streaming hair, wearing green gray cloaks over green dresses, and eyes are red from continual weeping. Other times they are seen to be dressed in white with red hair and a ghastly complexion. Um, they can even um, do a, they say they will assume a form of someone of some sweet singing virgin of the family who died young and has been given the mission by invisible powers to become the harbinger of coming doom to her mortal kindred. She may be seen at night as a shrouded woman crouched beneath the trees, lamenting with a veiled face or flying past moonlight crying bitterly. The cry of this spirit is mournful beyond all other sounds on earth and betokens certain death to some member of the family whenever it is heard in silence of the night. So basically, you hear somebody crying and it sounds otherworldly someone in your family is probably going to die that i mean that's sad but i kind of like it right like it's sad but it's also interesting because i feel like it helps people better prepare for some type of death yes exactly obviously they have no idea who it's going to be but <laughs> um well this next one isn't nice it's actually kind of i picked it because you know while my podcast or is is mostly true crime i feel like this one kind of ties it together if that makes sense uh and i'm gonna fuck this name up so anyone who speaks japanese or is japanese i fucking apologize um Kuchisake Ona, or the slit-mouthed woman, is a malevolent figure in Japanese urban legends and folklore. Described as a malicious spirit of a woman, she partially covers her face with a mask or other item and carries some sort of sharp object. She has been described as a contemporary yokai, uh, according to popular legend, she asks potential victims if they think she is beautiful. If they respond no, she will kill them with long scissors. If they say yes, she will reveal that the corners of her mouth are slit from ear to ear, 
and she will repeat the question. If the individual responds with no, she will kill them with her weapon. And if they say yes, she will cut the corners of their mouth in such a way that it resembles her own disfigurement. Methods that can be used to survive an encounter with the Kuchisake Ona include answering her question by describing her appearance as average or by distracting her with money or hard candy. I mean... I mean, I could get distracted by candy, it's fair. That's true. Uh, same here. Uh, according to legend, the, Kuchise- the Kuchisake Ona was a woman who was mutilated during her life with her mouth being slit from ear to ear kind of like the black dahlia that's what came to my mind anyway um in some versions of the story the kuchisake ona was the adulterous wife or concubine of a samurai during her life as punishment for her infidelity her husband sliced the corners of her mouth from ear to ear other versions of the tale include that her mouth was mutilated during a medical or dental procedure that she was mutilated by a woman who was jealous of her beauty or that her mouth is filled with numerous sharp teeth. After her death, the woman returned as a vengeful spirit or on Rio. As an on Rio, she covers her mouth with a cloth mask, often specified as a surgical mask or in some iterations, a hand fan or handkerchief. So, this is why you can never fall for the "Am I Pretty" girl, right? But idea. here's my thing: I feel like some of the most terrifying stories come out of Japan. You're not wrong. Like, um, the Suicide Forest. Yes. And uh, you know the original Ring movie. Yes. Uh, if you want to go, if you want to really, if you want to be uncomfortable, watch the Japanese version of The Ring. <laughs> Shit, read the book, man. Um, but seriously, I feel like some of the most terrifying shit comes out of Japan. It's like, what are y'all doing over there? <laughs> Just trying to scare the shit out of some kids. Yeah, I guess so. Um, all right. So who do you have next? All right, so this was the last one that I really looked up, and it is a Wendigo. So I'm sure if anybody's into, like, the horror games, you know, there's the Wendigo and Until Dawn that um, you become a Wendigo if you basically resort to cannibalism. And then there was, I can't remember the past that it was, but there was, like, the cannibal colony where, like, they left too late to try to travel west and they got stuck in the mountain pass during a snowstorm and they oh hold on i can tell you because i um... yes i can't remember who it is now off the top of my head but you know what i'm talking about right yes um to the internet because you know we don't we're not ashamed of that right here nope um here we go the donner party Yes, the Donner part. I was like, I know it's like a D, but I couldn't remember what it was. Yeah, it was so when they, they left. They, it was like poor planning and bad decisions, basically. Yes, pretty much. They got stuck. But they are said to have possibly been victims of Wendigo psychosis, which is basically when people just, you know, become capable of murder and cannibalism due to oftentimes what's considered greed and selfishness, like, you know, i.e., I want to live, so screw you. Um. <laughs> hey, you know what though? Honestly, if if it was a life or death situation, right, I would eat a person. I, I feel it. I get it. Like if they were already dead, I don't know if I would. If they were dying, because yeah, I wouldn't kill them. But well, I would. <laughs> Fuck you. Uh, so so never go to a mountain pass with me. But seriously, like go to self. <laughs> um. Because, you know, dead flesh can make you sick, whether animal or person. Yeah. So if they were dying, I'd be like, all right, dude, I'm going to put two in your head to put you out of your misery, and then I'm going to eat your thigh. (laughs) (laughs) I love you. (laughs) Um, But 
the Wendigo is actually um, from the folklore of the First Nations. Many people associate them with um, the Algonquin people. Um, it's often said to be a malevolent spirit, sometimes depicted as a creature with human-like characteristics, um, and it will possess a human. They invoke a feeling of insatiable greed and hunger, the desire to cannibalize other humans, as well as a propensity to commit murder and those that fall under its influence. So the Wendigo is actually also mentioned in the book of Pet Cemetery. And it's believed that its influence is the reason that the Pent Cemetery even exists, which is really interesting. Of course, it's not like necessarily the exact way that the natives uh, have always believed in, but that's one version of it written by a white guy. Right. <laughs> you know, it was written by a white guy. So, um, but they often describe it as gaunt to the point of emaciation desiccated skin pulled tightly over its bones bones push out against its skin complexion ash gray of death and its eyes pushed back deep into their sockets the Ew. wendigo look like a gaunt skeleton recently disinterred from the grave what lips it had were tattered and bloody unclean and suffering from superation of the flesh the wendigo gave off a strange and eerie odor of decay and decomposition of death and corruption Gross. So a lot of times in more modern uh, like explanations of the Wendigo, it tends to be really tall and it has like horns of a, or antlers of a deer or something or horns of a ram. But most people look at it as just being very human-like, but, you know, very twisted side of humanity because it fell into either greed or, you know, cannibalism, something that they would deem monstrous. See, and that would make sense. I think that I think that version makes more sense than like the ram horns or the deer antlers. Well, I think that's more because they try to Christianize it a little bit, type of thing, you know. Right. But yeah, and then like I said, there's the psychosis thing. Um, they say one of the most famous cases of Wendigo psychosis was reportedly involved a Plains Cree trapper from Alberta named Swift Runner. During the winter of 1878, Swift Runner and his family were starving, and his eldest son died. 25 miles away from emergency food supplies at Hudson's Bay Community er, Company Post, Swift Runner butchered and ate his wife and five remaining children. Given that he resorted to cannibalism so near to food supplies, and that he killed and consumed the remains of all those presents, it was revealed that Swift Runner was not a case of pure cannibalism as a last resort to avoid starvation, but rather a man with Wendigo psychosis. He eventually confessed and was executed by authorities at Fort Saskatchewan. Hmm. There's another well-known case involving um, Jack Fiddler and... Oji Cree chief and medicine man known for his powers of defeating Wendigos. In some cases, this entailed killing people with Wendigo psychosis. As a result, in 1907, Fiddler and his brother Joseph were arrested by Canadian authorities for homicide. I mean, fair. Right. Jack committed suicide, but Joseph was tried and sentenced to life in prison. He ultimately was granted a pardon, but died three days later in jail before receiving the news of his pardon. Fascination with Wendigo psychosis among Western ethnographers, psychologists, and anthropologists led to hotly debated controversy in the 1980s over the his historicity ooh, that was hard, of the phenomena. Some researchers argued that essentially Wendigo psychosis was fabrication, the result of naive anthropologists taking stories related to them at face value without observation, and others pointed to a number of credible eyewitness accounts, both by Algonquins and others, as evidence that Wendigo psychosis was factual historical phenomena. Um, hmm. It has decreased sharply, like the frequency, in the 20th century, century as boreal Algonquin people came into greater and greater contact with European ideologies and more sedentary, less rural lifestyles. But 2004, um, Revenge of the Wendigo on Disorders and Treatments of the Behavioral Health Industry in the U.S. and Canada that are peculiar to Indigenous people. It says no actual cases 
of Wendigo psychosis have ever been studied, and Lou Morano's scathing critique in 1985 should have killed off the cannibal monster within the psychiatric annals. The Wendigo, however, continues to seek revenge for this attempted scholarly execution by periodically duping unsuspecting passerbys, like psychiatrists, into believing that Wendigo psychosis not only exists, but that a, or a psychiatrist could conceivably encounter a patient suffering from this disorder in his or her practice today. Wendigo psychosis may well be the most perfect example of the construction of an aboriginal mental disorder by the scholarly professions, and its persistence dramatically underscores how constructions of the aboriginal by these professions have, like Frankenstein's monster, taken a life of their own. So there's people who even believe that it's just cultural-specific disorder. I mean... I could believe that if like they were like more connected to their surroundings versus like people who are like not right you know what I mean I I, I, I get how it would be more culturally specific just because like some um, some people religions beliefs whatever have you more connected with that around you versus like people who you know right plug away at work all day come home drink watch TV and go to bed and then repeat the whole process. <laughs> right. Um, so my next one, I'm not saying I believe it, but I'm also not saying I don't. Kind of on the fence. Only okay. because, uh, and I've mentioned a bit before about the Fae <laughs> and how I the Fae are bad, right? Yep, we don't fuck with the Fae. Um, so this one is, you know, uh, changeling, which is a human-like creature found in folklore and folk religion in Europe. Um, a changeling is believed to be a fairy that has been left in the place of a human stolen by fairies. Uh, children identified as changelings by the superstitious were often abused and murdered. Um, Two 19th century cases reflect the belief in changelings. So in 1826, Anne Roche bathed Michael Leahy, a four-year-old boy unable to speak or stand, three times. Um, he drowned the third time. She swore that she was merely attempting to drive the fairy out of him. And get this, the jury acquitted her of murder. Um... Again, in 19, or 1895, Bridget Cleary was killed by several people, including her husband and cousins, after a short bout of illness, most likely to be pneumonia. Local storyteller Jack Dunn accused Bridget of being a fairy changeling. It is debatable whether her husband, Michael, actually believed her to be a fairy. Many believe that he concocted a fairy defense after murdering his wife in a fit of rage. The killers were convicted of manslaughter rather than murder, um, as even after the death, they claimed to be convinced they had killed the changeling and not Bridget Cleary herself. Now, I know there have been several movies and shorts about changelings. Uh, but honestly... I could see it being a thing because I know I've talked about it in the past that the Fae are fucking assholes. So I totally believe that the Fae are capable of doing something like this. Um, just because they're fucking assholes. Like they, they are literally chaos bringers in my opinion. Um, and then the next one I have is kind of like a fictional supernatural character um, that I think got like <laughs> brought to life by people believing enough. Um, so the Slender Man is a fictional supernatural creature that originated as an internet meme created by a something awful forum user, Eric. Uh, Knudsen, also known as Victor Surge in 2009. 
Uh, Slender Man is depicted as a thin, unnaturally tall humanoid with a featureless head and face wearing a black suit. Now, stories of the Slender Man commonly feature him stalking, abducting, or traumatizing people, particularly children. Uh, the Slender Man is not confined to a single narrative, but appears in many uh, disparate works of fiction, typically composed online. Fiction relating to the Slender Man encompasses many media, including literature, art, and video series such as Marble Hornets, wherein he is known as the Operator. The character has appeared in the video game Slender, the Eight Pages, and its successor, Slender, the Arrival, as well as inspiring the Enderman in Minecraft. Uh, he has also appeared in a 2015 film adaptation of Marvel Hornets, where he was portrayed by Doug Jones, and, in, and a 2018 film where he is portrayed by Javier Botet. Uh, beginning in 2014, a moral panic occurred over the Slender Man after readers of his fiction were connected to several violent acts, particularly a near-fatal stabbing of a 12-year-old girl in Waukesha, Wa Wisconsin. Um, okay. <laughs> I mean, I feel like um, while the Slender Man may be like created by um like fictional made up shit i really believe that like i think if like if we think about something hard enough and long enough and enough people do it um that we could create something almost like uh when people brought back freddy krueger um but that's just my opinion, I think. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's a hard pass, thanks. <laughs> um, but we're almost out of time, so I'm as much, even though I have a couple more, I'm going to stop there. Um, but as always, if you guys have any, you know, things you want to hear, um, just let us know on any of our social medias um also i have no i i have a couple of ideas for the next episode i think i like keeping it a mystery until it comes out i think yeah, it's kind I, of fun that way i i mean i know i know kate and i have discussed several things that we have um want to do but i think i like not telling you what it is until the next episode just pops out <laughs> Maybe you should do a thing to help with your merch stuff to have them guess if they can guess what it's going to be. Like we give them hints, they can maybe earn like a free shirt or something. Ooh, yeah, that would be fun. Um, yeah, I like that. But we'll have to do it next time because I'm not prepared. Right. <laughs> but I'd be okay with that giving away some giving away some merch for if they guess it right. Um, I don't know. We'd have to talk about the hints, though, because I'm really bad at giving hints without giving it away. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, as always, if you can't love yourself, how in the hell are you going to love anybody else? Can I get an amen? Amen. All right, y'all. Well, we will see you next time. Okay. Bye. Bye.